I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Thank you, Victoria. As we head into God's word, let us uh, go to him in prayer. Pray for the um, word and the pastor. Um, the uh, song that the uh, gems just did, the Agnus Deus, is a um, classic hymn of Christendom. And it reminds us that we're part of the um, church universal, um, even though we're here in our Christian Forum bubble um, in Princeton at Grand Rapids. Um, so before we go into the prayer for the pastor, I'd like to um, have us pause briefly um, in silent prayer for, the, for our fellow Christians in Grand Rapids, um, the members at St. Michael's Ukrainian Greek Orthodox Church. Um, they're hurting badly. So um, let's pray silently briefly, and then I'll pray for the pastor. Let us pray. God of love, you have named us beloved children of God. And you have called us to be your church, the body of Christ. Through Pastor Steve's teaching today, as he brings us your word, remind us again that the Father loved us before time. Remind us again that the Son loved us to die for us. Remind us again that the Spirit loves within us. May your teaching today help transform us to be more Christ-like as we seek to live for you through loving our neighbors. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We head into today's uh, time thinking about John fifteen fifteen, which Victoria read for us earlier, thinking about how Christ himself called his disciples friends. How Christ himself said, I don't call you servants for a servant does not know what the master, everything that the master has for them, but instead I call you friends because I have made known to you everything. The gems have been considering, what does it look like to be called friends of God? What, is it, what does it look like that God calls you a friend? And not only what does that look like, but what does that make us do? How does it make us live in response to, to other people we experience in this world, knowing that Christ himself is called you and me a friend? I think 
friends and relationships are, are, are deep and important uh, within our lives. Lasting friendships, perhaps you've had them throughout your life. I have a, a friend that I've been friends with for over 30 years, and we continue to, to reach out to each other from time to time. And every time we connect, we can just rekindle that friendship and that, that opportunity to, to care for one another because we're, we're honest with each other because we're open, because we truly care about that person's well-being. We know that they'll always come through for us when you ask something of them. But some friendships maybe aren't that way. Has anyone had a friendship where someone hurt them? Yeah. Friendships that are, are more difficult. Friendships that hurt. Friends that say unkind things to you or about you. Friends that choose to think about themselves rather than your well-being. Friends maybe that hurt you by not inviting you somewhere. It's a core memory, I guess, for me. Maybe not that core, but back when I was in high school, about 20 years ago, I was a part of a musical in, in which we, were, we did Bye Bye Birdie. It's a musical. I don't know if you've ever seen it or heard of it. But we did this musical, and at the end of the, the show, where we, we did all the shows, there's often like a cast party. And there was an official cast party that I was invited to, but a bunch of my friends also had an unofficial cast party that I found out happened, and I was never invited to. And it hurts. It hurts when, you, when these people that you think are your friends, and they truly are, and they, they care about you, don't invite you and don't include you in something that you would have loved to be a part of. It's difficult when friends cause that pain because it just feels so real in our life. Like there's nothing you can do to, to get beyond it. it. It almost gets to the point where I think, man, wouldn't it be easier if my friends would just listen to me and do everything that I said I wanted them to do? That, that if I told Mr. James over here, that's my friend, you don't like the Arizona Cardinals anymore, you like the Green Bay Packers, and he would respond, yes. And I'd say the same thing to Mr. Mike over here, and, and he would say yes, but the thing about it, if, if, if we had people in our life that would just do exactly what we would want them to do, if we would tell them to jump and they would ask how high, if we would tell them to like the Packers and they would say, go Pack, go, they wouldn't really be friends anymore, would they? They wouldn't. And, and I think Jesus gets at it in this passage that we read. Jesus didn't want people who were robots. Jesus didn't want people that he would just tell and force them to do what he wanted them to do. He didn't come to the world by, by force. He didn't come as this military power to, to, to make people do his will. He was not coming to make it happen by force. Instead, he came 
in a way of love to graciously invite people in to his way of living. His way of living that wasn't a burden. It, it was not a heavy yoke to be taken on to their life. Instead, it was a life of grace and a life of love that he invited people into. And so, instead of calling his disciples servants or slaves that were forced to do the Master's will, instead, he called his disciples friends, saying, everything that I have, I have made known to you. And, and he invites his friends to take ownership of his mission, to, to walk in His way and walk in His light that they too may live lives of love. He gave them a command earlier. It comes in, in chapter 13, two chapters prior to uh, this verse that we read in John 15, 15. He said, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He didn't give us a five-step plan to say what loving one another looks like, though. But as Mindy shared with the children earlier this morning, he did give us his life and is an example of how it is we truly love in unselfish ways, looking at the other people in our lives as individuals who are more important than ourselves, living in ways where we're not seeking recognition, but seeking loving and caring for those we are with. And it's this basis of, of Jesus' love that creates the foundation for which we live in our world. It was the basis of love that compelled God Himself to send Christ here to the earth. Right? Perhaps you remember these verses, for God so loved. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. The salvation that Jesus came with was not a salvation born out of force, as we said earlier. He was not making people bend to His will. Instead of out of love, He came here into this world to offer God's grace. To show us what God's love truly looks like when it's put in flesh and blood. That Jesus, by the way of, of His living and by His sacrifice, would would truly show us how we then would live and, and draw others to Christ as well. This concept of love is what would, what would shape the basis of Jesus' next command to His disciples to, to go throughout the world and, and teach those that 
we meet proclaiming the gospel of Christ that he loved them so much to die for them. That he, he wanted us to go out and, and teach about that love and, and to baptize people into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them everything that Jesus himself had commanded. This practical expressions of God's love to us coming forth in the way that we live. One of the, one of the ways that the gems have been thinking about uh, awakening a heart of love in their lives is by looking elsewhere in the New Testament at these, these phrases, these one another phrases that, that we find throughout Scripture, a lot of them in, in Paul's writings in something that, that kind of gives us that plan. What does it truly look like to, to love as Christ loved? Well, we're going to look at, I don't know, i got like eight or nine passages that we can briefly look at to, to find out what it means to truly love as Christ has loved. Here from, from Romans chapter 15, accept one another. Or other translations say, welcome one another. Draw people into your midst just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Here from Galatians chapter 5. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we ac accept one another or welcome one another, we, we serve one another. We carry each other's burdens, and in this way we will fulfill the law of Christ, what Christ has set forth for us to live. We carry one another's burdens. We submit to one another from Ephesians 5. We accept one another. We submit to one another. We carry one another's burdens, and I missed one in there. We are completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. And again, in, in Colossians here, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. These, these passages continue to share what does it mean to fully embody the love of Christ that He has shown us. And, and they continue, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. We looked at this passage I don't know, probably a couple months ago. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Admonishing isn't necessarily a, a word that we use often, but we, we love one another enough to recognize when we need correction. We love one another enough to know when, when we need forgiveness. We, we love one another enough to know when when, when we've been in the wrong and someone needs to come alongside of us and say, hey, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't living out the love of Christ in your life. 
to, to humbly and gently walk next to a person and do the uncomfortable thing of, of pointing them to Christ's example and saying, He wants more out of you in, in, in your life. That's what love does in us as well. Pushes us to, to be the best version that the Spirit can make within us. Not the best version of ourselves, because we're all sinful and we're not going to measure, but the best version that the Spirit has for us. And then we continue, what else does love look like? It, it, it looks like we encourage one another. Encouragement is not a gift that the Lord has given me strongly, but it doesn't mean that I'm not to encourage, because here it clearly shows that we are to encourage one another and build one another up. It's, it's Christ that works inside of us building that spirit of encouragement where, where, we can, where we can acknowledge others in our life that have pushed us along in faith. Where we can see the, the good that the Lord is working in someone or someone and, and push them along more, more fully as, as you, you strengthen them for their journey by way of the encouragement of love. And one more verse here, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another. The, the love that, that Christ has given us causes us to not only have someone admonish us and tell us when we're, when we're not living right, but it allows us to do what we did this morning to, to confess to one another the, the ways that we have not been living up to that love that He has shown us. And, and it causes us to, to pray for one another, to, to recognize the, the different needs, both spoken and unspoken, that happen in this room on a, a daily basis, that happen with the people that you, you love and care about, and, and to love them so much that you're going to want to bring them up to the Lord. Taking taking time within your life, going to the Lord in prayer on behalf of your, your brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, on behalf of your brothers and sisters here in, in Grand Rapids, on behalf of your brothers and sisters here in this, this very church. It's Christ's love that fosters a community of sacrifice, of submission, of forgiveness, of grace. It's, a, it's Christ's love in our life that, that, that causes us to, to pray and, and admonish and to confess and to encourage. These depictions of what Christ's love looks like is something that should be embodied right here in His church. There's a, uh, a pastor, uh, a book, actually, that is called Love One Another. It was written by this guy, Gerald uh, Sitzer. And here in this book, he says that the, the success of Jesus' commission to, to see believers be baptized and taught into His name, it, it does not depend on great wealth. It does not depend on political power or sophisticated technology. It does not 
depend on superior organizational or leadership skills. It doesn't even, it doesn't even count on great preaching. It doesn't count on, on, on public rallies or building big, creative, new, innovative programs. But the thing it does depend on, and it depends on most of all, is the mutual love shared by a community of faith. The Great Commission depends on the embodiment of Christ's love among believers here in this church right here and in all iterations of churches around Grand Rapids in the world. Bringing these characteristics of welcoming and serving and carrying burdens to the forefront, creating this community that is so attractive by the way they love people, that people desire to belong there. That they would experience such an immense amount of forgiveness and compassion and encouragement that they wouldn't want to be a part of any other place that they would want to belong to Christ and His church. To, to then have that same impact by living out their life, recognizing what Christ has done for them. An immense forgiveness that they can share with others. The most effective way that we as believers can have in living out Jesus' commission is, is to fill, fill people's needs of love and safety and belonging by living out Christ's love of submission and care and encouragement and forgiveness. It doesn't take an a eloquent voice to love someone. It just takes... Christ's love residing in your life, causing you to live in the same way that He lived here on earth. Not thinking of Himself so highly, not thinking of His godly position as something to be taken advantage of, but instead it was He who humbled Himself coming in a, in a form of a man that He could bring about salvation for all people here on earth. Encouraging a community of faith to develop. One where we all belong and mutually submit and love one another. You know, I think it's pretty fitting that, that this is what the theme of the gems is this year because our council met about a month ago, and we were talking about the very same thing. We had been looking through this book called Growing Young, talking about what does it look like to have a, a, a group of, of believers who, who are actively discipling and encouraging the young people in the congregation. And, and one of the main things that it talks about is to, to fuel a warm community. To be that place where young people find belonging and love. 
So they don't go searching for it elsewhere because they can find it right in the church where they find multiple adults really, truly desiring, caring for, praying with and for their students. That they would truly desire to see the Lord working among those kids. That they would truly desire to encourage them and, and lift them up. That they would that those students would find a place where they can lay all their burdens bare and know that they would be accepted and loved. Because people aren't drawn to programs as much as we love cadets and gems. It's not the programs themselves that have an impact, but it's the embodiment of the leader's love. It's the embodiment of Christ's love through the leaders that brings people a sense of belonging. That they would desire to know Christ more. That they would desire to live out the same love that Christ has given us. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, he writes this, Jesus Christ, Christ provides the only foundation upon which the church can be built. He turns sinners into saints, transforms enemies into friends, and enables believers to love one another. Love. It's the force in the world that that changed the direction of humanity as Christ came down from heaven and, and offered us a renewed relationship with God. And love is still the force that can change the world today. As you and I, friends of God, choose to love one another the way that He Himself loved us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for embodying love in the person of Christ. It was, it was Christ while he was still on the cross that he forgave the people who executed him. It was, it was Christ who forgave the, the sinner that was hung on a cross with him. It was, it was Christ by the power of his love that was held upon the cross that we could experience His grace. And so, by the power of Your Spirit, work Christ's love in our life that we too could, could demonstrate that, that service and care in the midst of those people that are really hard to love that your love would, would cast out all fear in those situations and that we may, may truly embody it the way that you would and have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.